Hello and welcome to this first episode of Pain TV. My name is Perry Fine, Professor of Anesthesiology and Attending Physician at the Pain Management Center at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City, and your host to this series of programs focused on managing chronic pain in primary care. Pain is one of the most frequent reasons patients see physicians and take medication, and it's a major cause of work disability. In the United States, an astonishing 10% of the population suffers from severe, disabling chronic pain. The seriousness of chronic pain is underscored by its link to suicide. The risk of suicide for chronic pain sufferers is nearly double that of non-chronic pain sufferers, with the lifetime prevalence of suicide attempts ranging from 5 to 14%. People with chronic headaches are particularly vulnerable to suicide ideation and attempts. In this episode, my colleague Dr. Russell Portnoy, Professor of Neurology and Anesthesiology at Albert Einstein College of Medicine and Chair of the Department of Pain Medicine and Palliative Care at Beth Israel Medical Center in New York City, is going to discuss why chronic pain is an important issue in America today and urge you, our viewers, to contribute to the solution by learning how to optimally manage chronic pain in your practice. Physicians who think that treating pain is treating a symptom rather than the cause of a problem have their priorities confused. Clinicians and patients both need to recognize that pain is an illness in its own right. As physicians, we've been trained to strike at the root cause of our patient's pain and to try to eradicate that. When it's possible to do this, we should almost always try. But whether or not there is some underlying cause to treat, the pain itself should be viewed as an important part of the illness. Evaluating and managing pain should be a priority in every case and every setting. We should never put the treatment of pain on hold while trying to diagnose the underlying disease. The mystery of pain is that it's so subjective in nature and no two patients are the same. One patient with a disease that damages the body may have no pain, while the next one with the same disease and the same kind of damage has severe pain. Patients with the same kind of pain may have entirely different responses to treatment. Why do some patients experience severe and persistent pain? Pain is associated with a very large number of diseases, and the extent and severity of the underlying problem certainly contributes to the pain that occurs. But other factors are also important, including genetic characteristics, general health status, past pain experiences, emotions and thoughts, and factors that relate to family and culture. Chronic pain is often under-recognized, under-diagnosed, and under-treated at great cost to individuals and society. According to a recent Institute of Medicine report, the magnitude of pain suffered by individuals and the associated costs constitute a crisis for America, both human and economic. There is no justification for the failure to recognize pain as a key issue in health. For the individual, pain is associated with poor physical and psychological functioning, anxious and depressed mood, insomnia and fatigue. Chronic pain drives disability and suffering. For society at large, pain is associated with billions of dollars of lost productivity every year and billions more in healthcare utilization. Every health professional should understand the profound benefits that better pain management could bring to individuals and to society overall. Primary care physicians are on the front lines. They are the ones who could be most instrumental in challenging the current situation. They must recognize that chronic pain is a serious illness. They must inquire about pain, be prepared to assess it, and value skills in pain management. The chronic pain problem is immense and cannot be simply fixed. But we can make important steps by raising awareness and creating best practices for primary care providers. 
What is pain? Pain is a warning signal, a stop sign, telling us that illness or injury is present. It compels us to stop what we're doing, avoid painful stimuli like a hot stove, for example, and get rest or get help. Acute pain comes on suddenly and resolves rapidly, usually within hours, days, or weeks. It's typically due to a clearly definable event, injury, or illness, a muscle strain, broken bone, severe sunburn, or kidney stone. It vanishes on its own or when the underlying cause is treated successfully. Acute pain can also be recurrent with episodes spaced out between pain-free periods as with dysmenorrhea and migraine. Chronic pain is pain that has persisted or recurred frequently for at least a few months. Most specialists consider pain that lasts longer than three months to be chronic, or pain that is associated with a disease or lesion that is not healing. It reflects the pathologic response of the nervous system and is a disease itself. Many patients improve but aren't cured with treatment. Instead, chronic pain takes over their lives, interfering with their ability to work, attend school, socialize with friends and family, and even perform the basic tasks of daily living. Chronic pain sidelines people from all walks of life, preventing them from fully participating in the work and pleasures of life. The risk of acute and chronic pain is influenced by age, race, sex, income, education, and even where you live, city or country. Importantly, the adequacy of initial relief of acute pain may determine whether pain goes on to become chronic. The primary care physician's office is usually the first stop for patients in pain. When it is due to an underlying disease, such as cancer, its management may be wrapped up with an aggressive approach to disease-modifying therapy. Even as this occurs, however, it is usually not considered a primary concern, a separate illness that deserves as much focus and effort as the treatment of the underlying disease itself. The situation may be worse when chronic pain is not related to an underlying, potentially treatable disease. In this case, the physician must follow a course that was never taught in medical school or postgraduate training. He or she must change the usual medical paradigm, which is predicated on the concept that disease causes symptoms and disease management is the primary aim of therapy and the key to symptom control. A different paradigm is needed, one that views pain and pain-related distress and functional impairment as the illness to be managed. This paradigm views symptom control and disability management as the primary aims of therapy. If disease management can be part of this, then it is pursued. If not, the patient should be taken just as seriously and a plan of care should be developed with different goals in mind. Doctors can get stuck in the traditional medical paradigm and in the process unintentionally minimize the seriousness of the illness that is pain. In the worst scenario, this may augment the patient's sense of isolation and loss of control. Who is at risk for chronic pain? Everyone. The common sources of chronic pain are listed here. As you can see, Everyone is at significant risk of having a condition that causes chronic pain at some point in his or her life. It can arise with age, arthritis, from genetic predisposition, migraine, or as a part of another chronic disease, cancer or heart disease, or from surgery, from severed nerves or an injury, low back pain. Chronic pain is associated with common events and conditions that affect huge numbers of people of all ages. Basically, anyone who has experienced acute pain may go on to develop chronic, severe pain. The statistics on the epidemiology of chronic pain are staggering. 80% of patients undergoing surgery experience post-operative pain, and 88% of these rank their pain as moderate, severe, or extreme. 10 to 50% of patients with post-surgical pain go on to develop chronic pain. 5% of American women 
aged 28 to 65, experience headache 15 or more days per month over the course of a year. 62% of nursing home residents report pain. An estimated 6 million women suffer from fibromyalgia and more than 6 million men and women suffer from chronic nerve pain or neuropathic pain. And last but far from least, 26% of Americans reported low back pain lasting at least a day during the past three months. These numbers translate to enormous costs economically. At least $560 to $635 billion are spent annually in the United States on chronic pain, which is an amount equal to $2,000 per person living in the United States. The federal Medicare program bears approximately one-fourth of U.S. medical expenditures for pain. In total, federal and state programs, including Medicare, Medicaid, the Department of Veterans Affairs, TRICARE, Workers' Compensation, and others paid out $99 billion in 2008 in medical expenditures attributable to pain. This conservative estimate excludes the cost of pain affecting institutionalized individuals, including nursing home residents and corrections inmates, military personnel, children under the age of 18, personal caregivers such as spouses who miss work while caring for people with pain, lost productivity of workers younger than 24 and older than 65, and the emotional cost of pain, all of which compound that. The challenge for primary care physicians who are on the front line in pain management is to link the various chronic pain conditions with the appropriate therapy in order to provide optimal pain relief. To do this, it helps to recognize that the pain syndromes commonly seen in clinical practice fit into pathophysiologic categories. Several distinct types of chronic pain have been defined. Nociceptive pain can be either acute or chronic. It occurs in response to tissue damage and inflammation, as in arthritis and certain forms of cancer. Neuropathic pain is a classic maladaptive pain response caused by damage or dysfunction of the peripheral or central nervous system. This is the type of pain that persists after initial injury and rewires the nervous system over time. Spinal cord injury, Multiple sclerosis or stroke result from lesions to the central nervous system, whereas lesions in the peripheral nervous system cause disorders such as diabetic neuropathy and pain related to lumbar radiculopathy. Undetermined pain is just that, the pain that occurs without cause or injury. To complicate matters further, mixed chronic pain syndromes involving combinations of pathophysiologic mechanisms are common. For example, the large number of patients with chronic pain following lumbar spine surgery, the failed low back surgery syndrome or the post-laminectomy syndrome, are presumed to have multiple mechanisms involved in most cases. Despite its prevalence, chronic pain is under-recognized, under-diagnosed, and under-treated. Why is that? It's been shown that disparities in pain prevalence and management exist. Increased vulnerability to pain has been linked with the factors listed here, the elderly, women and children, those with lower income and education, military veterans, surgery and cancer patients, and patients at the end of life are the most likely to receive suboptimal pain management. What is the reason for disparities in care? Is it unrealistic patient expectations? Complicated reimbursement issues that compromise the provision of individualized care? Or the lack of consistently applied validated and objective pain assessment measures? The combination of an uncertain diagnosis and social stigma surrounding patients reporting pain, particularly if it doesn't respond to treatment, poses a barrier to adequate pain assessment and treatment. Is the patient faking it? Seeking drugs or disability compensation? Clearly, good physician-patient communication and objective pain assessment is key to the appropriate diagnosis and optimal management of the various types of chronic pain syndromes. 
Currently, chronic pain affects the lives of more than 100 million Americans. It compels people to visit physicians, necessitates medication use, and takes adults out of the workforce and children out of school. How can we reduce the impact of pain on individuals and society? The answer to this lies in transforming how pain is perceived and judged. The goal is to gain a better understanding of all types of chronic pain and to improve efforts to prevent, assess, and treat it. In this brief overview, I've shown that the science, epidemiology, and pathophysiology supports the reality of chronic pain. The majority of pain management should take place in the primary care setting and involve individually tailoring care to the type and intensity of the patient's pain. Referral to specialized pain clinics should be reserved for refractory or complex cases. In conclusion, pain is a major problem at the individual and social level. It's costly and prevalent and complicated by the fact that everyone experiences pain differently. Genetics, early life experiences, mood and psychological state, coexisting medical conditions and environments all influence the perception of pain. Pain is more prevalent and tends to be inadequately treated in certain population groups, including the elderly, women and children, and racial and ethnic minorities. Chronic pain is harmful and impairs productivity and quality of life. Chronic pain may become an illness in itself that requires a comprehensive treatment approach. Given the prevalence and burden of pain in terms of quality of life and costs, improving the assessment and treatment of pain should rank as a top priority for individual practices and for national healthcare planning. We hope you found this CME program informative and useful. In this episode, we reviewed the definition of pain, the number of people affected by chronic pain, and the need to overcome barriers of its under-recognition, under-diagnosis, and under-treatment. In our next episode, Dr. Michael Clark will continue the discussion of chronic pain when we cover pain assessment strategies. To proceed to the online CME test, click on the Earn CME Credit link on this page. Please also take a moment to complete a few post-assessment questions that follow to help us measure the educational impact of this activity. Please check back to view future episodes of Pain TV. And thank you for watching this program.